Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. From the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg, I'm Kelly Sander along with producer engineer Merg. On this Thursday, a little bit of rain around the area, but glad that you're with us on whatever format on our Super Talk Mississippi network of stations. Still to come this hour, we're going to be talking with the Ockness Monster. Ryan Ock, the outstanding left-handed pitcher for Southern Miss. He'll be joining us uh, momentarily. A little bit later on in the program, the radio voice of the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, Randy Lee, will be talking with us. I mean, it seemed like the Hilltoppers were going to the MAC. Now they're going to stay in Conference USA. What in the heck is going on in Bowling Green? Randy Lee will be talking with us a little bit later on, plus a little bit about a lot of things. The first segment of the Eagle Hour today brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Cooked here, loved everywhere. Dickie's can take care of your holiday planning, whether it's to smoke a turkey or get a ham prepared just the way you like it, along with all of the sides. And, of course, the day after Thanksgiving, is the final home football game for Southern Miss against FIU. Dickies can handle all your orders, large and small. You can dine in or drive through, and doesn't don't need a lot of directions. Just follow your nose, as Toucan Sam used to say, and you'll know exactly where Dickies is located near Turtle Creek Mall in Hattiesburg. Dickies proud to be with us here on the Eagle Hour, and we are glad to have them with us. Our first guest on the Mississippi Sports Talk line from... Chanhassen, Minnesota is where he's originally from. Ryan Ock, the left-handed pitcher for Southern Miss. Now, let's, let's go over some numbers here. And we always talk about on this show, the numbers don't lie. In his final year at Southern Miss, he appeared in 21 games. He posted a record of eight wins, no losses. He was 8-0. His earned run average was 1.27. He pitched in 35 and a third innings. He struck out 12 Excuse me, he walked 12, he struck out 59. Now, for those of you that don't know a lot about the numbers in baseball, generally you want to have a 3-to-1 walk-to-strikeout ratio. So if you walk 12 guys, 36 strikeouts would be what you're shooting for. Well, Ryan Ock walked 12 but struck out 59 when 36 would be the standard. In his longest outing of the year against Florida State, he pitched four and two-thirds innings, racked up 11 strikeouts. Not only good on the field, but good in the classroom, a member of the honor roll or president's list every single time he was eligible. Born July 18th, that makes him a cancer, but he certainly was not a cancer to the Southern Miss baseball staff. We welcome Ryan Ock. Ock, good afternoon. Afternoon. How about that? Did you even know those numbers? (laughs) You probably don't pay too much attention to them, but those are pretty good. Yeah, I, I didn't know them to a T, but I mean, I knew they had to be good if I had MLB interest and all that. But, now, now yeah. Chanhassen, Minnesota, not far from the Chanhassen Dinner Theater, right? The world famous oh, Chanhassen Dinner Theater. Yep, about oh, 10 minutes from my house, I'd say. I saw Robert Goulet perform Merg in Camelot 
Really? At the Chanhassen Dinner Theater. Was that back in the 70s? That would have been, that would have been 77. Yeah, I was going to say, that's How when did that you? was. Yeah. Because I don't know, I think my dad saw that too. Okay. I think about it. Yeah, Robert Goulet was, he was like the, the consummate King Arthur back in the yeah, day. I've seen quite a few shows there when I was going to school up there. So. The Chanhassen Dinner Theater, write it down if you ever get to the Minneapolis area. So that's the first question. Well, the first question, let's back up. So Ryan, where did you get this name, the Ochness Monster? Uh, I'd say it was my redshirt freshman year. It was my second outing of the year at Mississippi State, that 1-0 Friday night win. And I threw, I want to say it was two and a third innings, and we got the win. And on Twitter, our fans were raving and stuff. And I, I can't remember the exact Twitter user because I want to credit him. But he replied to the tweet with the Ochness Monster, and it kind of just picked up steam and just stuck the rest of my career. No doubt it was a hashtag Ochness Monster. Yes, definitely. <laughs> right. Okay, so how does a kid from Chanhassen, Minnesota, get to the deep south of Hattiesburg? Well, up there, baseball is not as big as down here, and our seasons are a little shorter and all that. So I kind of worked with a recruiting guy, and... He was familiar with Southern Miss because the name Matt Walner, that's kind of a good start right? To, for that pipeline. And I think, I'm not sure if they worked together, but they knew each other. And Southern Miss lost a few guys to the draft they weren't expecting. And it was my summer after my senior year, so like two months before college would start. And I came down and visited and ended up committing two days later and then three weeks later came to school. So it was really late but everything worked out a, a whirlwind for you wasn't it all yeah. of that in a three-week period yeah very quick you know but you won a state championship uh, in high school so you certainly uh, know know how to win what was it about your skill set that the coaches thought originally hey this this guy'd be a good fit for us it was a lot on my fastball and just kind of my funky delivery the way i throw i'm almost in a split squat position and my arm has a lot of deception to it, so that was attractive to him. And I guess now more prevalent is the spin rate. I had a really good spin rate and still do, thankfully. And I didn't know much about that in high school, but they helped me develop through that here and kind of built me into the pitcher I am today. Well, everything is all about science now, right? All of the different, uh, all the different things that they look at, you know, spin rate, exit velocity, you know, all those sorts of things. So growing up in Minnesota... How do you avoid the criticism from your, your buddies that played hockey uh, when you decided to go the, the baseball route? Well, to make that even better, I don't even know how to skate or like ski or snowboard, which stinks. <laughs> I wish I did, but I'm like as anti-Minnesota skating-wise as you can be, which I, w- I wish I was a good skater, but I guess I got blessed with the baseball jeans instead, thankfully, but... A lot of my buddies didn't actually play hockey. I'd say some of my closer friends was more basketball and football. So I didn't hear too much hockey backlash from them. But even during the winter when we would go out on the ponds and stuff, they'd have their skates on. I'd just be in my boots. Even at gym class, too. In middle school, they'd take us over to the ice rink. And and poor Ryan would be there on the side just by himself. Somebody mm-hmm. go go talk to Ryan yep. so, so he's not not there by himself. Pulling myself along the side. Yeah, yeah. But you know, hey, not everybody in Minnesota, you know, plays hockey, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um 
So, and, and being left-handed as well, uh, when did you, did you go the travel baseball route like so many recruits do these days? It seems like nobody gets recruited anymore unless they have played uh, travel baseball since they were 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, usually, I played locally with just Chanhassen until I was probably 15, I'd say, and then I played for a travel summer club team for a year and a half, two years, and that's kind of when I got that exposure and started working with uh, our recruiting guy and kind of started talking with colleges and all that. So uh, what did you take most from the travel ball uh, experience? I know you probably had teammates from all over the country, which is kind of cool, but what did you, what did mm-hmm. you take most from your travel ball experience? Kind of just to have an open mind. You can, you can really learn anything from any coach that you have or any player. Just being able to keep an open mind and learn from other people helps you develop better yourself. Ryan Ock is with us, also known as the Ock Ness Monster, the former left-hander for Southern Miss, now in the San Diego Padres organization. We're going to talk with him a little bit about that upcoming. Part of the problem being in the upper Midwest, or, well, let's just face it, you're in the north, right, in Minnesota. Coming to the south, and and I get this from, from Southern baseball coaches, they say we don't, we're scared of recruiting kids from the north because they're so far away from home, we're afraid of them getting homesick, which that's a legitimate concern. We're also afraid that they're going to come down here and face 95-degree heat with 90% humidity for the first time and melt and, and therefore also want to go home. So how did you deal with, with all of that, Ryan, coming to Hattiesburg? Well, I'll say that humidity was no joke my first fall down here. That, that kind of kicked me in the butt and... I guess it gets a little humid back in Minnesota, but nothing compared to down here. So that was kind of a acclimation period I had for that. But after my first fall, I kind of got better with that. And now I'm used to the heat and I'm, I'm living down here right now for the year. So, okay. Now, now I'm going to, I guess that shows where I am. I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot because some of your friends in Minnesota are probably going to be listening to this through the downloading of the. What, what do we call it? Download of podcast. <laughs> that thing. I think that's what the kids call. It. Yeah, yeah. Podcast. They're going to download the podcast and hear this, Ryan. So, here's the question: Catfish or walleye? I got to go with catfish. Really? Fried catfish. Oh, See, I'm the opposite. I'm. To- oh my gosh, I can go for a good walleye fry right now. <laughs> but I, that's because I've been eating catfish nonstop for the last 15 years. But I'm, t- but I'm telling you, he's gonna. They're gonna beat him up. Up in Minnesota. Yeah, I already started getting beat up going back up there. Because <laughs> walleye is like, uh-huh. and, and pike up there, uh, northern pike and walleye, that's some, that's some good stuff up there. Watch out for the bones. In the land of 10,000 lakes. We're going to continue our discussion with Ryan Ock, the left-hander at Southern Miss, now in the San Diego Padres organization. And uh, we'll see how that experience has gone so far and him making that transition. Ryan Ock is our guest, and we'll continue on the Eagle Hour after this commercial break. Southern Miss to the top. 
This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Campus Bookmart and the big yellow building across from the main entrance to campus there on Hardy Street. You can't miss it. And I know those are famous last words because, oh, well, I'll be able to miss it. No, you, you really can't miss it. And for all of your Southern Miss apparel, making the transition from the short sleeves to the long sleeves, whether it's hoodies or sweatshirts, they've got all different sizes, a lot of different styles in there for you to peruse as well with uh, with Christmas right around the corner. They're open 24 hours a day, not at the building, but online at campusbookmart.net. And uh, tell Miss Kathleen and everybody that we said, hey, Kelly Sander, along with producer engineer Merg and Ryan, the Ockness monster. Ryan, not only... We, we talked a little bit about walleye, but we need to, we need to give a, a shout out to Grandma's Sports Garden in Duluth because I <laughs> yeah I've now, been there before yeah yep because that's that's the last time I had battered fish and that was the adjustment moving down here was that everything's bred the fish is breaded but and it, I prefer mm-hmm. battered because that's what I grew up with but but Grandma's had the battered walleye yeah yeah and I, I got two orders of it because I couldn't get enough of it All that right, was well, four or five years ago well we need we need to invoice now Grandma's Sports yeah. Garden in Duluth the station I worked for was right across the street <laughs> so when I was living and working in radio in Duluth oh you were I was de- over there you were daily. a dead man too then yeah I yeah. gotcha all right well continuing talking baseball with with Ryan Ox spelled O C H I'm guessing Ryan that that's short for something. Oc- nope, that's 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 my whole name. That's it. Okay, so it wasn't. That's it. <laughs> Meyer or something like that. It's just just plain old Ock. Okay, so after yep. your years at Southern Miss, a seventh round call comes from the San Diego Padres. You played a little bit in the Arizona League, and then it was long on to Lake Elsner, California, to play in the Padres organization. D- describe what it's like making the transition from college baseball to where everybody's your buddy to pro baseball, where everybody is potentially a threat? Well, it's, it's, I compare it similar to how college ball was. You kind of show up in the first day or two, you're a little, little timid. You don't know anyone, but it's really easy to make buddies with everyone and everyone's really inviting and just helpful. And the the transition was pretty easy for me because my draft class was a lot of other college guys and just everyone kind of started talking. We were all in the same hotel, too, so we would always go and get food. And that just kind of helped bring us all together and just, I guess, get closer as time went on. You know, culturally, a lot of guys have problems, that their lack of knowledge of Spanish, because a lot of you know baseball players, particularly at the minor league level, are of you know Dominican descent or Hispanic descent. Any issues for you at all? Or how do you, how do you deal with any language barrier you might run across? There is kind of a little language barrier, but that's one of the things that I love so much about minor league baseball is just getting immersed in all that culture stuff and having conversations with those guys and using my broken Spanish and their English they've been working on. And they're taking English classes. We're working on our Spanish and just trying to build that bridge so we can communicate better. So I guess in Chanhassen, there'd be a lot of Swedish and people of Nordic descent, I'm guessing. Yeah, I think and German, too, I think just all that gotcha so now in the off season uh, another complaint that guys have is they'll say well when you play pro baseball they really don't tell you a whole lot they don't tell you know what what's expected of you or where they think that you're going to be where you're going to go so how do you navigate the off season with not a whole lot of communication from the mothership uh so they send us out some workout off season plans so we kind of have some structure with that but once you get into professional it's kind of more you have to know what's best for you instead of someone kind of holding your hands throughout it all. 
it's kind of falls on you of knowing what you need to become a better player and making sure you hold yourself accountable. So, so how, how would your workout routine differ as a pitcher from that, say, of an outfielder? Uh, it's not too different. If anything, like if we work out a day after a bullpen or a game, we kind of steer a little bit more away from like shoulder stuff just because our shoulders and elbows are so beat up after we pitch. But for the most part, it's all pretty much the same stuff. A lot of lower body. I'm wondering that because because you did grow up in Minnesota and you admittedly said that your seasons were shorter because of the weather, obviously, I wonder if that probably isn't a blessing in disguise that you didn't get to throw too many innings to wear that arm out as you got older. Yeah. I mean, my senior year, we've had 20 games and then three playoff games, I think, so 23 total games. And I probably threw maybe 35 innings. So, like, my last year at Southern was the most innings I've ever thrown in a season as a reliever, too, so... I guess that kind of kept me fresh for longer, which in hindsight was pretty good. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, the comedian Jeff Foxworthy, you know, he does his routine, you might be a redneck if. Uh, I remember he did a routine that he adapted for people in Minnesota that you might be from Minnesota if. Would you like to guess, Merg, what one of those was? If you, you might be from I still Minnesota? have family up there, so no, I'm not. Okay, if you might be from Minnesota if. You you sew your Halloween costume so it fits over your snowsuit. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. In <laughs> fact, I just brought that because it was so cold this Halloween here. I had to mention that to my daughter who didn't understand what a snowsuit was, first of all. But, yep, many, many a Halloween. So, so you don't know where you're going to be uh, this spring, Ryan. You probably leave sometime in, what, February? Kind of tell us what you think's ahead. I'd probably say February or March time, they'll bring us back to Arizona for spring training. We'll have about a month of that, and then they'll send us off to whatever affiliate they deem and go from there. Are most teams now 100% uh, COVID-free as far as are we are we getting back to to being like yeah, a quote-unquote? Yeah, it seems like pretty much everything's back to what it was pre-pandemic. The way that it used to be. And with, with yes. Major League Baseball teams cutting back on the number of minor league teams in general as a cost-cutting measure, have you seen yet, is it too early to know what effect that's going to have on the minor league systems? Uh, still a little too early, but they did just pass this past month. Uh, our housing is going to be covered all throughout the minor leagues, which was awesome. And I know a lot of people have been fighting for that. So that's good to hear. Do you have any any uh, wishes as to where you wind up? In the, besides the besides the Padres themselves, do you have any wishes as to where you'd like to go? Uh, not really. Just taking it day by day and just enjoying the blessing I got to be playing for the Padres. And you mentioned Matt Walner a little bit earlier, who is a fellow Minnesotan. Have you had a chance mm-hmm. to talk to him? He's in the Twins organization. You're in the Padres. But have you had a chance to talk with him at all about his experience? And you guys speak? Not recently. Okay. I talked to him kind of a little bit right after the draft, just congratulating me and seeing how he's doing. But, yeah, he's a, he was actually in Arizona playing in that prospect fall league, and he's been doing pretty good, I heard. So at the end of your season, there's something called exit meetings, which is what they tell the players is, okay, here's what you did well, here's what you didn't do so well, here's what we'd like you to work on. During your exit meetings, did they tell you any any particular thing that they wanted you to work on or some things they were particularly happy with? Uh, we kind of both came to an agreement just working on firming up my off speed, like my slider, trying to get it harder and a little more sharper, so that's 
kind of what I've been tampering around with so far this offseason. Matt Walner, I did have a chance, and he's been on this show before, and he compared Southern Miss baseball fans very much to Minnesota hockey fans in that they really, Definitely. really love it, and they're very knowledgeable. How would you describe your experience with the Southern Miss fan base in your time here? I'd say that he hit the nail on the head with that one. I'd say the fans here are really passionate, and it's, it's always fun playing in front of passionate fans with a really good atmosphere and just being able to fill the stadium day in and day out with just some of the best fans in the nation. Which, which had to be, in the literal sense, awesome to you because you, you're coming from Minnesota. You may have had, what, 50 people in the stands, maybe, in high school? Yeah, especially on away games. At home, we kind of got into the 100, 200 range, but... Yeah, it's my first game here was I went from playing in front of a couple hundred to a couple thousand like that. And you said when you were recruited here, it was really a, you know, a, a whirlwind before you made that decision. Did mom and dad or other people in your life who were important to you point out, Ryan, you're going to be a long way from <laughs> a long way from home? Yeah, definitely. My parents definitely were like, you know, you're going to be a far way away. And I think it was more them saying I'm going to be away from them versus like me thinking, oh, I'm going to be far from home. But it worked out well. And so, I mean, FaceTime is just the greatest thing invented for a long distance. So that helped a lot, too. See, and FaceTime wasn't around, Merg, when nope. when you and I were, were growing up. <laughs> well, Ryan, we want to wish you nothing but continued success. And uh, you know, we were talking in pre-production meetings. Somebody said, well, why hasn't Ryan Ock been on the show before? And I because nobody had ever asked him. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how that works, isn't it? You know, you, you have to ask sometimes. So in the parking lot at the apartment complex, is that your car with the Minnesota tag on it? Or is there somebody else? It is. Okay. That's me. The only one. Okay. So we don't have any other Yankee carpet baggers coming down here trying to. <laughs> trying Funny to coming from Kelly Sanders. Yeah. Trying to dirty the waters down yeah. here. But anyway, Ryan, great, great numbers at Southern Miss. Great, great memories. Uh, etched in the minds of many Southern Miss fans. We want to thank you for uh, your time here and wish you nothing but the best, continued success. And if you get back to Minnesota and anybody ever asks me, I will tell them that you said walleye over catfish. (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) To protect themselves. Ryan Ock, everybody, the Ock Ness Monster, one of the most uh, proficient baseball pitchers to ever come through the program now in the San Diego Padres organization. When we shift gears, what's going on with Conference USA or what's left with it? Furthermore, what's going on with Western Kentucky? They were leaving, now they're staying. We'll get all the details from the voice of the Hilltoppers, Randy Lee, when the Eagle Hour continues in a moment. Fourth Street Bar and Grill sponsors this segment of the Eagle Hour, home of the 895 lunch that includes your drink. And tomorrow is the world famous Catfish Friday, which is far better than any walleye you'd get down here. 
We can certainly uh, attest to that. Dartboard's a great place to shoot uh, pool, occasional trivia contests, any of the big sporting events that are on TV, including the Golden Eagles, any day of the week, men or women, they'll have them for you at 4th Street Bar and Grill right over the Highway 49 Bridge on the other side of campus. We appreciate Slade White and 4th Street Bar and Grill for their support. Joining us on the Super Talk Mississippi Hotline now is Randy Lee, the radio voice of the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, has been since 2007. Randy, as we welcome you, uh, Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee were kind of in that same boat. We heard down here that that the Hilltoppers were leaving to go to the MAC. Now we're hearing that they're staying at Conference USA. I, I always like going right right to the source. So what's, <laughs> what's going on in Bowling Green? Well, Kelly, nice to, thanks for inviting me on your show. From everything that uh, we've read and been told, both by you know our administration, and we played MTSU at football this past week on Saturday, so we were talking to them as well. And uh, they're... Um, Radio announcer, the, the radio network team uh, told me that uh, they heard that MTSU was not interested in going to the MAC for a couple of reasons. Uh, I, I feel that uh, our administration, although maybe not at first, um, once you know the team started fleeing Conference USA, seems to me as if they had a little bit of a switch and were ready to go to the MAC at this point in time. Uh, but, you know, the MAC was not going to just invite one team. They were going to invite MTSU and WKU as a package deal. So I believe it was Friday night when the MTSU Board of Regents met. And at that point in time, they met. And I was told they decided that they were not going to accept a bid from the MAC conference. Um, so once that went down, then the MAC came out with a release saying that they were not going to expand at this point in time. So, you know, really where WKU sits is uh, right now we are staying in Conference USA. And uh, really that's the only place right now uh, for this uh, athletic department at the the time being uh, because they were not extended an invitation by the Sun Belt either. So, um, but, you know, uh, I think maybe people across the country feel like, you know, maybe WKU's been left out or they're upset or, you know, disappointed. Really, I, I don't I don't think it's like that, at least in the athletic department amongst the coaches who I've talked to. I don't think they were, uh, you know, had to go to the MAC to feel like they could still compete at a high level. I think they are fine uh, right now in, in the time being where they're at and feel like they can still compete. You know, they've won 32 conference championships since they joined the conference far more than any other uh, school in Conference USA, so I don't feel like they feel going back or staying in Conference USA is going to hamper them, uh, you know, for the short term. And I was going to say, and, I, and not, to, and I'm not being patronizing when I say this. You hit the nail on the head, but it always feels good to hear it from somebody else. Of all the teams in Conference USA, top to bottom, the health of the athletic departments in Conference USA, Western Kentucky would probably get the cleanest bill of health, in in my opinion, strongest, you know, from top to bottom, men's and women's sports. That's my opinion. But let me get your your opinion, and I, and I know you're not speaking, you know, as an official spokesperson of the university when I ask you this question, but why do you, why do you think all of a the sudden there was this fleeing of teams from Conference USA. Why did everybody want to get out, in your view? Anything you can shed some light on? In my view, view, Kelly, uh, and I don't know the exact year, 
but when the most recent, see, when WKU left the Sun Belt, they went to Conference USA. One of the reasons for that was the better TV deal that Conference USA had over the Sun Belt. And then I think, you know, I could be off a year or two, but it seemed like maybe our second or third year in Conference USA, all those TV rights are up for bids. So the TV situation that Western Kentucky University was excited about moving into uh, was no longer there. And the administration in Conference USA, not not the administration of WKU at Conference USA, in their thought process at that time, uh, they felt like Facebook was going to be a major player in being one of the real uh, future homes of uh, televising sports and people going there to get their games. So I was told that Facebook and Stadium uh, offered a package deal that was more than ESPN, and the commissioner and whomever was advising her uh, decided that they would take that opportunity. It's sort of out-of-the-box thinking, and they were going to go with out-of-the-box thinking and a little bit more money than the ESPN deal. So then they launched into this agreement where, you know, we do have some games that are seen nationwide, but, you know, for the most part, you've got you know, the stadium deal, and that basically that's just an independent um, you know, TV outfit that farms their broadcast around the country, and whoever wants to pick them up, picks them up. Then you've got ESPN Plus and ESPN3, and then, uh, ES- then uh, the Sun Belt, our last year in the Sun Belt, they hired the former commissioner from the WAC, uh, because uh, the WAC was falling apart. Carl Benson is his name. Our last year in the Sun Belt was Carl Benson's first year. And I could not have been more impressive, more impressed with the, with the commissioner. He came in, he had big plans, and, you know, we had been in the Sun Belt for a long time. Quite frankly, uh, I don't think we really felt like maybe his goals would be achieved. But when it came down to that TV meeting, somehow the Sun Belt got a remarkably better deal than Conference USA. Uh, and I feel like that is the number one reason that all these other schools failed. I know ESPN is re-upped. I'm sure that's one of the reasons Southern Miss uh, you joined, um, you know, the, the Sun Belt. Uh, and I think it, you know, I think most of the decisions were based upon the TV package that is currently in place, and I think will be even expanded. Uh, and the Sun Belt through all the ESPN properties. You know, it, it's funny to me how we talk. We try to separate sports from life. We try to separate religion from everyday life. But the bottom line is, follow the money. It, yeah, yeah. It, it's sad, but that that, yeah. that is the way it is. Let me get yeah. and in, you know, and okay, in, you know, WKU's case as well as MTSU and as well as uh, Louisiana Tech. You know, those three schools, you know, in recent years left the Sun Belt. So when people ask, well, why didn't the Sun Belt, when they went out and started taking a lot of uh, schools from Conference USA, why didn't they take WKU and MTSU and Louisiana Tech? I think the general consensus is, uh, you know, it's tough to take back a partner that just left you, you know, not too long ago. So at the present time, I think probably that we feel like that's probably one of the reasons why at this go around, uh, the Sun Belt did not reach out to you know the Blue Raiders, us, 
uh, and or Louisiana Tech to join the Sun Belt. And and of the remaining Conference USA guys, and again, neither of us are speaking on any official capacity. We're just talking a couple, exactly, yes, a couple exactly of sports right. guys who have been been around a while. Uh, UTEP, where do you think UTEP eventually winds up, Randy, if not still in Conference USA? Well, I think they're going to be in Conference USA. I, I think signing New Mexico State was perfect for them. I mean, it's, it's their biggest rival. They're not too far apart. Uh, I think that's a, just a, a great deal for them. Now, in the future, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Um, you know, I know they'd like to go to the Mountain West Conference, but I don't know that they have the budget. I know the Mountain West Conference is not uh, interested in them. I have a very good friend in the Mountain West Conference who does what I do there in school. And they're not interested right now in UTEP. But that would be perfect for them. Uh, you know, if the WAC was still around, that the, the WAC that used to be the WAC, um, that would be perfect, but you know the WAC is no longer at that you know at that level anymore, especially in football. So the, the, I don't know that they have a lot of opportunities other than the being Conference USA right now. But at least they've got their biggest rival in all the sports, you know, now joining in New Mexico State. So I think that'll help them out a lot. Yeah, the most difficult thing I think, just from a from a rationale standpoint, is looking all the way New Mexico State in Las Cruces all the way up the eastern seaboard into New England almost. You've got this footprint now of Conference USA, which is almost literally a USA kind of deal, that it's all over uh, the yeah. country. We'll have to see how that all sorts out. Randy, when Well, it's, it won't be in 2023, though, when all those schools leave. Right, correct. Uh, we're not going to have an eastern seaboard team um, in Conference USA. So, and, and all of these changes that, that have been going on or proposed changes – are supposed to take place July of 2023. There has been some speculation we had here uh, on on our program. Um, some of the folks from James Madison have said that they they want to make the jump to the Sun Belt in July of next year. You know, if well, the reason they want to do that is is the, is the Colonial Athletic Conference, the conference the Red has told them, right? Uh, you're going to compete in 2022, but you can't compete for any. Uh, conference championships. So they'll be playing without the ability to even compete for a conference championship. So that would be one reason they would want to leave early. And, you know, maybe they'll get it worked out where they would, but I would be very surprised. But, you know, the one thing that uh, the schools that are staying in Conference USA, uh, it is it is a finance, in the short term, it is a financial decision. You, you'll make more, you'll have more money if you stay. Because all the schools that are leaving Conference USA have the buyout of, what, $2 million? So nine have left. And uh, the teams that have, will stay reap the benefits of that. And, you know, if MTSU voted to leave, we voted to leave, then we would not get that. And then we would also have to pay a new conference fee. So I think in the short term, MTSU okay. decided... You know, it was a financial deal. Randy, hang loose. We're going to talk about the art of play-by-play in sports broadcasting and how that may have changed since television and all that. More on the Eagle Hour in just a moment. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Kelly and Merg with you here in the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. This fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by D1 and DBAT Training Facilities. If you haven't been by there, you need to check it out, including the uh, AstroTurf infield there for you to work on your sprints. They've got free weights that they can prepare a plan designed just for you on what particular part of your body you want to work on. Of course, then all of the batting cages, both baseball and softball, with the machines that can be timed 
to throw whatever type of pitch that you want. And always clean and sanitized because of COVID-19. It's a beautiful place. D1 and D-Bat training facility. Continuing our discussion with the voice of the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, Randy Lee. Randy, the art of play-by-play, you and I are both old enough to, to remember some of the truly greats who were some of the best wordsmiths in the country where you could sit down on your back porch or lay down at night and go to bed and listen to a ball game and you could close your eyes and hear Vin Scully as he would say that foul ball shooed a covey of Cardinals out of their nest in the right field (laughs) bullpen, you know, just, just that you just don't seem to hear anymore. I think part of it is the fact that so many games are live streamed now that the television view is live streamed, so broadcasters don't have to be as good with words. Are those reason? Is that reasonable on my part? Just give me your thoughts. Yeah, well, in that regard, Kelly, I think you know, I, I think maybe, um, and I agree with you. The radio play-by-play call, the TV play-by-play call, are completely different. And I do believe a lot of the younger play-by-play announcers grew up mostly watching television and forming their style on TV, uh, which, you know, and I'm, I'm, I think maybe their words are just as good as the old radio, most of the old radio announcers maybe, but the, but their style is different, which it's not as descriptive. So I think their vocabulary is just as good or better, but they're not as descriptive because I think they grew up not more, more of their games that they followed were on TV where the descriptions weren't like they were on radio. So those, you know, the young kids who were wanting to be uh, an announcer or young adults you know, got involved in that industry, and that's sort of who they latched on to, where you and I, you know, I, we grew up in pretty well what was probably called the golden age of radio, certainly close to it. Yes. And we didn't have the opportunity of, the, like, the college teams we followed. You know, I grew up in West Virginia, and I, I was lucky to see one West Virginia University football game a year. Um, you know, maybe one. Uh, so you listened all the time. You could not see them. Um, you know, you could. You, we didn't have Major League Baseball Channel. We didn't have ESPN. Uh, you did not get. Uh, you could sit in your home now and watch thirty games on TV on a weekend. Uh, we could see two on Sunday and two on Saturday. And other than that, all those games are on radio. So uh, I, I, it has, certainly has changed. I do think radio, in terms of the the largeness of it, is larger than it's ever been because of the satellite radio. I mean, people can now hear us broadcast in Tokyo, uh, you know, originating a broadcast in Bowling Green if you have XM radio, some other device. So in that regard, it's bigger than ever before. But, you know, more people do watch TV now uh, than listen to radio, I believe, for the most part. And it is frustrating at times for guys like me and you where you're sitting in a broadcasting meeting and 80% of the meeting is all about television rather than the radio and TV sets the game times and and uh, yeah, I had this one little thing at WKU. We get this gigantic um, uh, video board when you drive by campus. And it took me, I don't know, close to a year to finally get it to happen. Finally it happened. But you're dealing with younger people. When they put up, okay, this Saturday, WKU will be at Army. You know, well, they put up what TV station the game is on locally, ESPN or Fox or whatever. But they did not even include what local radio station you could listen to on that video board. Yeah, so, there, there you go. You know, it's almost like we don't count. But, you know, younger people were making those decisions. They don't even think about radio because they don't listen to the games. They only watch. 
So it took a while, but finally got up there. But it's just something that the under 30 crowd, I think the majority of them, don't really think about. In our last minute and a half or so, let's let's take a television example. Gus Johnson on the Big Ten Network. Gus gets criticized a lot because he gets so excited about every single play. And people go, oh, I hate that. But then there are other people that say they really, really like that. Do you come? Which side of the fence do you come down on on that, uh, Randy? You know, I, I'm more of a Gus Johnson kind of guy. Not to be critical of anyone, right? But you know, Jim Nance is sort of the dude in this generation. Generation is probably seen as the best or most popular sports play-by-play TV announcer over the last 30 years, and you know, his style is not what I grew up on, and is not what I prefer over some other styles. But, you know, our, our business is, is some people like a style and other people like a different style. So there's really not, you know, one way. Uh, it, it, everyone likes different things. And I do like excitement. I like personality. I'm less to like the, the, the network, down the middle, uh, real cool um, kind of, a, of approach. That's just, that's not what, what I like uh, or maybe the style that I hope that I that, that, that I deliver, but not that it's not a great style, just not my preferred style. Yeah, I, I, and, I, and if there's somebody that comes down the middle as we close out the show here, I think Kevin Harlan is a good balance of each. I mean, I think Kevin Harlan oh, could broadcast could broadcast scrambling eggs and make it sound <laughs> exciting, but not too exciting. Randy Lee, Western Kentucky Hilltopper voice since 2007. Always enjoy your insight. Thanks, buddy. Kelly, thanks for the invite. Have a wonderful day. All right. Randy Lee with us here on the Eagle Hour. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking with former Southern Miss running back Ricky Bradley and superfan Reagan Grant, among others. But until tomorrow, for producer engineer Michael Mergens, I'm Kelly Sander. Thanks for joining us. Southern Miss. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.